0: Welcome to the Idaho Reports podcast. I'm producer Ruth Brown. Today I'm joined by Idaho Press reporter Betsy Russell to discuss a recent allocation of funding by the Constitutional Defense Council. Thanks for joining me, Betsy. Glad to be here. So for those who don't know, the Constitutional Defense Council is made up of the governor, the attorney general, the House Speaker, and the Senate pro tem. And they met on Monday to approve a payment to reclaim Idaho's uh, legal fees that cost roughly $152,000. Of course, that came after the state lost a lawsuit over a ballot initiative bill from 2021. And the Supreme Court both shot down that bill, but also ordered the state pay the legal bills of Reclaim Idaho and the Committee to Protect and Preserve the Idaho Constitution, who were the plaintiffs in that case. So Betsy, can you walk me through a little bit of what you know about the, the role of the Constitutional Defense Fund and um, historically, what it what its role has been?
1: Sure. Um, the Constitutional Defense Fund was first set up by the legislature with the idea of defending state sovereignty, um, mostly against federal incursions, and there were concerns about the nuclear waste issue and things like that. But over the years, it has mainly served to pay the legal fees of the winning side in cases where the state lost, and that's been true on legislation addressing numerous topics including anti-union legislation in 2016, the so-called ag-gag law that would have that tried to criminalize surreptitious filming of agricultural operations and uh, multiple abortion uh, laws and gay marriage. So that's kind of what this fund has mostly been used for. And since, the, since they created it, the legislature has now set up another fund called the Legislative Legal Defense Fund, which is specifically just to the legislature in this case the legislature intervened when the state was sued so both the state and the legislature were parties to the suit and we're talking about those legal fees for reclaim idaho um, at one hundred fifty-two thousand. the legislature spent more than that just on its half of the state's unsuccessful defense in this case legislature opted to bring in outside attorneys and as of this week, according to um, information that I have in under the Idaho Public Records Act and that will be on the front page of the Idaho Press tomorrow, um, that tally is now up to $196,117 just for the legislature's defense. Um, so the state in some ways lucked out in only in paying less than that for the other side's entire case.
0: Yeah, I think it's also important to note that the uh, So the legislature was sued, and they had private counsel, but the Secretary of State was also named, and he utilized the Attorney General's office as a defense. And the Attorney General's office has a set allocation, but, of course, they are paid for by taxpayer dollars. Right. So taxpayer dollars will pay for Reclaim Idaho, they'll pay for the legislature's private counsel, they'll pay for um, the Secretary of State's Attorney General's uh, defense, and then... They'll also pay for the court system, of course, <laughs> so. <laughs> That's
1: true. And, and of course, we don't have numbers attached to the attorney general's cause for their case because that is the attorney general's job. The attorney general is the one designated by the Idaho Constitution to defend the state in cases like this. And, and that is what they did. We just had these other expenses on top of that.
0: I did talk to legislative services on Monday before the allocation, and um, they explained that the Uh, Constitutional Defense Fund is a continuous appropriation, meaning it doesn't have to go before JFAC every year. And on Monday, the balance was $1.28 million. uh, But now that has $152,000 less. And while
1: it is a continuous appropriation, the money doesn't get in there unless JFAC says, yes, they want to make a deposit and the legislature approves that. And so that's how the money got there is The legislature allocated taxpayer funds from the state general fund and put them into that fund.
0: For a little bit of context around the lawsuit, it revolved around uh, ballot initiatives and uh, getting referendums on the ballot. I think you spoke to some legislative leadership regarding whether or not they would pursue more legislation on ballot initiatives in 2022. What do you know about that?
1: That's right. So the moment the Constitutional Defense Council had adjourned its meeting, um, both Keith Riddler from the Associated Press and myself approached those members of the council who were there in person, which were the governor, the Senate president pro tem Chuck Winder, and the House Speaker Scott Bedkey, and asked them about this payment and also about Idaho's initiative laws. And all three of them said that they do not support any further restrictions on initiative rights in Idaho in the coming year. Uh, Now, Senator Winder did say he doesn't think it's a dead issue and he thinks maybe it'll come back at some point, but his personal preference is not to address it. So we're saying not just this month when the legislature comes back to town, but also not in the session that begins in January of 2022. They seemed um, chastened by the unanimous opinion, unanimous ruling from the Idaho Supreme Court, which found that the legislature has gone too far to restrict a constitutional right has been guaranteed to citizens of Idaho in the state constitution since 1912, and that strict scrutiny must be applied to any restrictions. And it seems quite likely that additional restrictions also would be struck down. The court even hinted in its ruling that although it rolled Idaho back to the previous law, where you have to get the signature from 6% of registered voters in 18 legislative districts, that's half the districts, 18 out of 35, this new law made it 35 out of 35, 6% in all of the districts, that even the 18 districts, although they are leaving that stand for now, may or may not be constitutional, and that they only didn't address that because it wasn't directly at issue in this case, the new law was. And so the court said to signal that if this issue were to come back before them, they might find
0: the 18 districts unconstitutional as well. Wow, so who's ready for 2022? So I looked up a bit of history uh, on the constitutional uh, or excuse me, Constitutional Defense Council recently. and in statute it says the purpose upon its creation was restoring, maintaining, and advancing the sovereignty and authority over issues that affect the state and the well-being of the citizens. Uh, so in part, it was supposed to be used for challenging federal decisions. Uh, Can you think of uh, an instance when that fund has been used to challenge federal decisions rather than um, legislative issues?
1: I I think that it may have come into play on some water issues and and on a nuclear waste issues. But really, for the most part, it's been about the legislature of Idaho passing legislation that's unconstitutional being challenged on that and then losing their cases. And in many of those instances, including some of those examples I mentioned, the Idaho Attorney General's office in its role as legal advisor to the legislature had warned the legislature that if they passed this bill, say the ag-gag bill, that there were constitutional issues and it could get challenged in court. And sure enough, it did. And so the legislature has sent a signal that it feels so strongly about legislating on some of these issues that even being warned that the bills they're proposing are unconstitutional, they pass them anyway, and then we see that this is the result.
0: I think a lot of folks don't uh, necessarily understand that all of these lawsuits are paid for by taxpayer money on all sides, um, whether it's the court, the defense, the plaintiffs. Uh, What do you think people should understand about that? JFAC is a complicated system, even for me, and I've been doing it 10 years. (laughs) Well, JFAC is just the, the the function of the legislature, the joint committee that sets appropriations. It
1: sets, that writes the budget bills. But basically what we're talking about here is the functioning of our state government. And the biggest thing that the legislature does every year is set a balanced budget. It's required to do so by the state constitution. And JFAC is the tool that it uses to accomplish that. Um, but the uh, um, the costs of government are borne by the taxpayers. That's how it works. And that's why it's such an important job for the legislature to set a budget and to to create a balanced budget and to spend the taxpayers' funds in the wisest way possible. And if the taxpayers don't like the way they're doing it, they hold them accountable at the ballot.
0: Well, speaking of legal challenges and the legislators uh, coming back, yesterday you reported that the legislature does plan to reconvene. Yes, <laughs> they're coming back. In, in about two weeks, <laughs> November 15, <laughs> two weeks yeah. yeah, for a special session. Uh, it's not in connection to the lawsuit, but I did want to address it because it's a big deal for them to come back.
1: Absolutely. And and I should say that I asked um, Speaker Scott Begkey how long he expected the special session to go, and he corrected me immediately saying this is not a special session. And that's because although the Senate adjourned sine die back in May, the House never adjourned they just recessed indefinitely and so technically the legislature's been in session all this time and they're just coming back in to finish things up now this year's session ending on may 12th was the number one longest legislative session in idaho history that means it's still going and it's going to kick into high gear again on november 15th now the speaker and pro tem are both estimating that it could be done in three days but they also uh, three days after that Monday, the fifteenth, maybe by that Wednesday, but they also acknowledged things could go off the rails and it could go longer. There is not really any fixed limit.
0: So it's kind of tricky because when the last special session was called, it was called by the governor. Uh, both the House and Senate had um, had already signed die, and the governor is allowed to set restrictions on why they should come back. Meaning. Uh, they were supposed to address issues with the November election due to the pandemic back in the previous year. Mm -hmm. So do we know, is there a set, um, are there restrictions that the Speaker is putting on what they can and cannot introduce, or are we going to have lawmakers trying to introduce a variety of pieces of legislation?
1: So there are. The Speaker has said that it is his intention that this session will be to address unfinished business with regard to an ethics committee recommendation to the full house, which is yet to be voted on, and legislation on only one topic, vaccine mandates. And to that end, he has already convened a meeting of all of the committee chairs and vice chairs in the house and um, says that his plan is to seat the house ways and means committee to introduce any and all bill ideas on the topic of of basically federal vaccine mandates and then see which if any of those are able to proceed through both houses now the senate on the other hand has said they would prefer less legislation not more Um, and Senate President Pro Tem Chuck Winder said there are two pieces of legislation on vaccine mandates that the Senate Republican leadership is supporting. One is to set up a new legal fund, this time with, with $2 million of taxpayer funds to pay for an anticipated and talked about legal challenge of the president's proposed vaccine rules. The other is to make some changes to an existing Idaho law called the Idaho Health Freedom Act to just kind of put a statement of policy in there that Idaho doesn't think executive orders should be able to impose vaccine mandates within the state when they come from the federal government. Um, there was a joint legislative interim committee that convened earlier and considered a variety of proposals on the topic of vaccine mandates, and they endorsed yet a different proposal, um, one from Senator Steve Vick that proposed to make it a crime, a misdemeanor for any public official in Idaho to in any way aid the Biden administration in carrying out its new vaccine rules. Now there have been issues raised about the constitutionality of that proposal. And Senator Winder said that he feels the two proposals that the Senate leadership is supporting are in line with Senator Vick's um, proposed legislation, although they're not exactly the same bill. So that's what we're hearing about at this point.
0: But who knows what happens when they all get back to town. I'll be curious to see whether they stick to only addressing the federal mandate that uh, President Biden has proposed, which of course would be for employers that employ more than 100 people. Um, or whether it will be for all employers, because some lawmakers have expressed real concern about uh, hospitals that have mandated uh, vaccination for their employees. I know Micron and some other large employers across the state have mandated vaccinations for their employees. So it will be interesting to see whether they stick to only addressing the federal mandate, or whether they address other employers. And I asked uh, Lieutenant Governor McGeehan a similar question when she was defending some uh, health care workers who didn't want to get vaccinated and uh, were facing the possibility of being terminated because they didn't want to be vaccinated. Uh, and sh- the question I posed to her was about the fact that we are an at-will state, meaning our employers can terminate us for any reason. Um, they can mandate what uniform you wear and uh, what hours you work. And as long as they're not doing something that is discriminatory, they can generally fire you for any reason. Um, and that's a, I think being an at-wheel state is a very popular um, status for Idaho. But uh, Janice McGee and, uh I asked her about it, and she said she, she supports being an at-wheel state, and she doesn't want to change that. But she doesn't support employers being too being able to mandate vaccinations for employees. And so I'm curious how they'll toe that line. How can you be an at-will state, but not be an at-will state by mm. by not being able to mandate uh, vaccination status for employees, so. It's an
1: interesting question. And, and both Keith Riddler from the AP and I did ask the speaker and the pro tem about this, whether the scope of this reconvened, continued session include just the federal um, vaccine mandate or whether it also might include potential restrictions on what private employers in Idaho could do. And both of them said that it was their preference not to get in, in between the employer-employee relationship and that they felt that is the Republican position. But Speaker Benke, he did say he is sure that there are legislators who may want such proposals and we may see such bills introduced. The question is whether they proceed beyond it, it, to any point beyond simply being introduced. Sure.
0: I want to close with uh, one other thing. You mentioned the, um, the ethics hearing that they need to bring up. Um, this, of course, is in, rep- in reference to Representative Giddings. Uh, the ethics hearing did uh, vote uh, on how her complaint should be handled. Can you walk me through um, sure. anything you know about how they plan to address that, bring up the ethics committee's recommendation?
1: So the House Ethics Committee in August voted unanimously to recommend that that Representative Giddings be censured for conduct unbecoming a member of the House of Representatives and that she lose one of her committee assignments her commerce and human resources seat. Um, And this was for her having publicized the identity of a young intern who had accused another sitting legislator of rape. That legislator who then resigned Um, is currently facing felony rape charges. Um, This unanimous recommendation from the committee goes next to the full house for a vote. And I understand that there are some fine points of rules that say, had the legislature not come back to town and taken it up before the year ended, there would have been no opportunity to do so. And it would have just gone away. And so that's why it's part of what the speaker called their unfinished business for this year. Before they sign you die, they need to vote up or down on that committee's recommendation.
0: That's my understanding as well. I believe they only need a majority vote for a censure. Um, Different kinds of reprimands require two thirds, but they need a majority vote for the censure. The representative that, well, former representative that was accused of assaulting the intern um, does await trial, and actually he has a court date on uh, Friday, October 29th, that Idaho reports will cover, and so keep an eye on the blog for that. But until then, Betsy, I appreciate your time, and I'll see you in two weeks at the State House.
1: Yeah, we just can't seem to get away from it, can
0: we? I know. Thanks so much. Betsy Russell of the Idaho Press. Thanks. Presentation of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television is made possible through the generous support of the Laura Moore Cunningham Foundation, committed to fulfilling the Moore and Bettis family legacy of building the great state of Idaho by the Friends of Idaho Public Television, and by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.